So Jared's with us this weekend, um, primarily in the role of director for the um, album that we're, we're filming out at North Road to the North Campus. And if you haven't been, I encourage you to come tonight out there at six. There'll be nothing here. Out there at six is a I first. That's a good reason, eh? You, you get, yeah, yeah. Kiwis, barbecue, South Africans, I. Uh, out there and then, then we go on and we're doing the recording of the album and last night was sensational I've got to say I just I was part of it and I, I'm so proud of in the right sense I hope of what our team are doing and why they're doing it um, it was really really special so we, we're out there again tonight that'll be fantastic but without any further ado can you please give Jared a great big welcome as he comes Thanks, Pastor Sheridan. Yeah, if you do want to watch things, easiest way is probably fantailstudios.com. Um, it's a nice free streaming platform there. And we're actually, it's quite exciting. Our latest series on deliverance, I think, is broadcasting on TV in 100 different nations. Um, pro tip for any communicators if you want to sound, you know, important, always substitute the word countries to nations. Uh, sounds way more biblical. Um, <laughs> We're going to the nations. Oh, yeah, we're going to another country. Oh, really? Yeah. Going to another nation. Oh, see what he did there. Hey, everybody that's joining us online, everyone at Rotatuna, so great to connect. And look, I, I want to I do a wee thing for tonight, okay? Because, yeah, I easiest thing that you could say is I'm, I'm a media missionary. And what that means is I capture supernatural stories, broadcast them to nations around the world so that people anywhere on the planet can have an encounter with Jesus right where they are. There's two basic types of documentaries. and They fall into two, two categories, past tense and present tense. Uh, past tense story, um, they're a lot easier. God's already done something. And the story has got a beginning, middle, and an end. You capture that story, you work out with Holy Spirit how he wants that story communicated through all the different uh, creative processes and you craft it together, you sit with with the Lord and you present it to the world. Present tense, you've got to be in the right place at the right time to capture the moment Jesus enters the room. It's, It's so much more exciting. I'm a hunter, okay, so I love being out in the mountains and I've got some good friends every now and then I can take a slab of deer to. Any vegans watching, um, if you get offended, well, that's all right, they're eating your food. Um, and I can take it to my mate's place and they make me some biltong with it. When you're, when you're saying well, God owns all the candy stores, I mean, my father doesn't own candy stores, he owns all the biltong stores. And... Uh, so my brain's, I, I, I get sidetracked by my personality so easily. <laughs> what I'm passionate about most is that moment when Holy Spirit's manifesting and going, Holy Spirit, I want to capture the essence of your presence in the moment that it touches a life. So I want to invite you tonight to be in the room when the King of Kings enters the room. And like, Come be a part of the process. There's, I think, 12 cameras around the room. And, uh, you know, it's not about creating a, a cool-looking album. It's about a whole lot of people who are hungry for the presence of the Father, going, oh, we not do we just want to have the moment where we experience you in the presence, but we want to capture that moment, that moment in time.
And we want to be able to share with people around the world what it looks like, sounds like, feels like to experience the King of Kings in a moment. And so, I, so I'm, I'm directing in the truck, okay? So there's a big truck out there and there's all these cameras. And my job, from the moment that first kick drum starts, I'm like this. Camera three, camera three is looking good. Camera three, adjust your headroom. Camera three, coming to you in three, two, one. Camera three, you're live. Five, seven, and eight cameras. Refocus and tighten up. Camera seven, coming to you in three, two, one. Camera seven, you're looking great. Camera one, adjust your angle. Camera one. And that's just me for two hours, okay? That's just me, night after night. Until there's these moments when God starts moving and the worship leader is capturing that segue of his presence. And this is what the camera operators hear. Camera three coming. Oh my gosh. Yeah, get it, God. Get it. Get it. Come on, man. Bring the glory. Bring the glory. Bring the glory. Get it. Yeah. All right, camera five coming to you. Camera five. Oh, yeah. Get it, God. So come be in the room and God gets some. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's reality of how it is. Um, hey, that, that word of knowledge earlier, phenomenal. Um, and I felt, like this was, I felt like this was a Godwin moment as that was shared about, you know, you don't have to do anything. Just popped into my heart. I felt like God was like, yeah, of course, because no one goes to medical school before they go to surgery. They just turn up for surgery. They don't have to prove any sense of knowledge. They don't have to sit there and explain to the surgeon, can now cut left, cut right. You know, they just turn up to the surgeon. No one has to go to saviour school to be helped by the saviour. No one, no one has to get a full understanding of how the kingdom of heaven works to experience and be benefited by, blessed and set free by the kingdom of heaven. And so for those online and Rotatuna and here in the room who are going, Jesus, I need you. You don't need to understand how Jesus works to receive the freedom and benefit of Jesus. You just come to Jesus. And I just think, you know, what an awesome pitch that was and great courage and faith to bring that. You just felt the shift in the room. I'm working with some of my, my, my kids at the moment, specifically my 11-year-old on, on sensing spiritual atmospheres. So bring you into space. So you don't need to pray for anybody, but just tell me the moment you felt the room shift. And, and at the end of the prayer time, from the start of the prayer time, how would you describe how the room felt at the end? She came to a, a work meeting with me. We were prophesying over a media team. Holy Spirit dropped in the room. We ended up praying and worshiping for nearly two hours. And on the way home, I said to her, Jasmine, could you tell the difference of how the room felt at the end versus how it felt at the start? And she goes, oh, Dad, I could. I said, what, in one word, how would you describe the atmosphere? She sat there, 11-year-old, just processing for a moment. She said, majestic that's that's how it felt that's the word that describes it and I just want to encourage you in your journey of getting closer to God start with awareness God help my heart identify when dad walks in the room like help me perceive God I've got all these different brain functions everything going but Holy Spirit you are the teacher so teach me to at the very start let's just become aware of of how your presence intensifies around me in a moment and then take me deeper and deeper into your presence so come tonight and come be a part of the moment when God walks into a room and everything changes. Um, when Sheridan was just, you know, going, hey, let's just take a moment and breathe. Sometimes we just have to let go. And that classic saying, 
which is a bit of a cliche and really hard to live out, just popped in my head, let go and let God. And I was reminded of a, of a picture that God gave me probably about 18 months ago. I had this really clear picture just pop into my imagination. And in this picture, I was sprinting as hard as I could just along this dirt road. And God just was just cheering me on. And then the camera pulled out in this picture. And about 100 meters in front of me was this massive ledge. It just dropped off into this chasm. And there was this gap of like the Grand Canyon to the other side that was impossible and then God started screaming in the picture don't slow down you've got wings but they'll only unfold once you leap off the edge he said you will only learn to fly once you run out of ground keep sprinting don't slow down and in the picture I was going ah! and he's going just trust just trust just trust just trust keep going I've got you and it's really easy to go, I can't breathe in and breathe out. And then, but sometimes we go, God, okay, practically, what would shift in my life if I actually just let go? What, what is one practical thing that would change? And if God, if there's one practical thing that would change, then what is the belief in me that needs to be unlocked? What is the revelation that I need to have? A foundational belief that would shift, that would change the way that I thought. And then what would that thought change the way that I speak? And then how would I speak change the way that I act? And then how and then that action would flow into a subtle change in my life that could alter the trajectory? It's all well and good to go, God, I just give you, give you everything. I'd just be like, God, show me one thing to give. Show me one thing and take me on a journey and then let's rinse and repeat as I get closer to you. I want, to share, I want to share a testimony this morning from my life because we, we're off as a family in three weeks and six days off to Atlanta, Georgia, uh, over in the States, and we're going to run a supernatural school of media in the South, and it's going to be glorious. And I get to constantly remind people that my name's Jared, not Apostle. <laughs> I was a little bit cheeky over there, and they said, we call you apostle, or we call you pastor. I said, oh, in New Zealand, we just go with Jared, because I know things for honor, but we also don't need our insecurities babysat publicly. (laughs) And it just leaked out of me. I went, sorry, that's not even the Kiwi side. That was my Dutch side, just having shots fired. But we're going to go there. We're going to run a supernatural school of ministry, training media people how to be led by the presence of God through every step of the creative process so that as sons and daughters of God, they would grow in their identity, realizing that they're not creating space in their art form for God, but God's creating space in His art form for them. You know, I love it when people go, God, we just want to welcome you in the room. And I understand that. I use that language all the time to help people, you know, shift their perspective. But I think it's a funny thing. God, we, we welcome you in the room, right? And I always feel like he's like, well, that's nice. I mean, it is my room. <laughs> God, I give you permission to move. It'd be like me going into your house and go, hey, just while you're home, by the way, you can get anything out of your own fridge that you want. I give you permission. He's like, well, thank you. I didn't know I needed it. So I want to talk about making room for God so we can get closer to God. Because the reality is, he's, he's, like, he's just he's in us. I don't know how you can get closer to him. But we have got junk in our heart that takes up real estate that the God of the universe, where the universe can't contain him, wants to reside in. 
You gotta know if you can't fit in the entire universe because you have no, you've got no beginning, you've got no end, you're hungry for any real estate someone will make. And I love it when Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock, and if anybody opens the door, I'll come in and have a relationship with you, I'll eat with you. Oh, my concern if someone was knocking on my door, they'd come in and they'd be like, oh, wow, let's talk about your fixer-upper. <laughs> you didn't think you could clean before I came in? But Jesus is like, man, I'm just standing at the door knocking. You open that thing, I'm going to come and I'm going to do life with you. I'm not bringing in my judgments, I'm bringing in my relationship. I'm hungry for space. So about two years ago, I began to identify um, that I had, a, I had a serious problem in my life and that I've been addicted most of my life to personal growth. Always addicted to the need for progress. And it's led to multiple challenges and semi-burnouts and things like that in the past. And it was this repeating cycle that I only actually had a sense of inner peace if I knew I was outperforming Jared from the year before. Had to be achieving more, uh, building more, not so much really in finances and those sorts of things, but more people getting saved, more miracles, more ministry expression, more growth, more leadership development, more leaders that I'm leading now than I was leading before. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Um, and, you know, you can, you can kind of articulate any form of dysfunction to sound spiritual, and I was great at deceiving myself. But the problem was that my need to grow was costing me emotional energy. And then that leaking of emotional energy meant that I wasn't achieving to my potential capacity the way that I could. And that was making me more stressed, which meant that I was achieving less, getting more stressed, achieving less even more. And so I ended up going to see one of my mentors. I said, hey, I've got a problem. Uh, and, you know, kind of unpacked this for him. He said, okay, well, tell me about ministry at the moment. And I went, wow, man, God's been doing so much. And for the next kind of hour, I just went through miracle after miracle after miracle, an encounter with Jesus. We said, hey, I want you to do this. And then I risked everything, praying, fasting, everything on the line. And then the 11th hour, miracle and breakthrough increasing. You know, at the end of it, like, man, we are streaks ahead of where I even thought we would be as a ministry because of miracle after miracle after miracle. And he said, wow, you sound like you are living the most, the most faith-filled lifestyle. I went, yeah. He said, yeah, it's a, it's a pity that nearly all your decisions are motivated by fear. And I went, what? He goes, yeah, I mean, it sounds awesome. It sounds incredible. But all I hear is a little boy desperate for the approval of his heavenly father who will risk everything for that need to constantly get met driven by the fear that you're not good enough risking far more than you probably should in this season to try and earn favor from him i just sat there uh, you know kind of like wouldn't tell me what you really think then my gosh i mean i'm touched but man that hurt and he said this is what i want you to do go home and read the book of romans marinate in it and every time Paul talks about grace and favor this radical scandalous gift from God that nobody could boast given freely every time you read a verse that makes sense in your head but doesn't resonate in your heart you don't actually believe it internally it's not like oh yeah you're just kind of like oh yeah that sounds good write it down and let it just sit over you like an umbrella, and just come under the word. 
So I went for about three weeks and just slowly picked through the book of Romans, writing things down. Then I went back to see him and I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I pretty much wrote out the book of Romans. (laughs) And he said, you know, read me what your head agrees with that your heart doesn't believe. Read it out to me. And I sat in his office with tears streaming down my face as I read verse after verse after verse about the radical love of God and unmerited favor and free gift of grace. And I had a voice screaming in my head so loud going, lies, lies, all of this is lies. And as I finished crying, reading out all these verses and feeling kind of broken in my heart, I mean, I've known God my entire life. And just so confronting to sit with the word of God, reading it to a mentor saying, these are all the things with the word of God that if I'm honest, I do not believe it. Intellectually, yeah, and who I am, my inner man, I don't believe this for a second. It does not exist in my life. And as I cried, I said, man, I I can hear a voice screaming in my head. It is like almost deafening. It's just screaming the word lies. And he went, yeah, I can feel it in the atmosphere. And so he began to ask me questions, trying to get to the root of where this lie came into my life and began to take up space and ask me all these questions for about an hour. And, you know, they were great questions, but nothing was landing. And so being a Pentecostal, at the end of an hour, he went, oh, mate, stuff this. I'm going to slap hands on you and holy ghost it and see what happens. <laughs> and he's got hands like a baseball mitt. He always would grab me by the back of my neck. He's about six foot three, and I'm always just trapped there. So he comes around, grabs me by the back of the neck, and looks at me in the eyes. He's like, oh, my gosh. And the moment he touched me, I could feel like this lead weight drop in my stomach. And I was just like, oh, I can feel such a weight of disappointment. I'm like, what is that? It was like a brick. It's like a bad meal that just sat there. I could physically feel it. And I went, man, that is the disappointment that I've got in God. And see, part of my uh, bigger testimony is that when I was 13, my dad had a sudden asthma attack. And filled with the Holy Spirit, I knelt over him, praying in tongues, in full belief. It didn't even occur to me that God wouldn't do a miracle. And I watched my dad die. And as I stood in this moment now as a full-grown man leading a ministry about the testimonies and miracles of Jesus, I stood there in the confrontation that I was deeply disappointed in my Heavenly Father. And I said to Pastor Wes, Wes, I just... I feel so disappointed in God. I'm, I'm gutted. And I've, I've never felt disappointed in him before. I don't know what to do. Because I'm not, not allowed to be disappointed in God. And he went, yeah, why don't you just out loud tell him how you feel? I went, in front of you, it's a bit weird, isn't it? It feels a bit hippie-ish. <laughs> I'm talking about my feelings in front of another man, you weirdo. <laughs> Segway, not at all relevant. Back to Biltong for a moment. I was on a plane coming back from Johannesburg the other day and a guy a few rows in front of me got up and got all this Biltong out of the overhead locker and he, I caught his eye, didn't exchange any words. I stared him down. <laughs> I just held his gaze. 
He eventually sighed, dropped his head, took one stick of biltong out, gave me the rest of the bag. <laughs> and I just went, yeah. <laughs> so I'm there, you know, with Pastor Wears. He's going, tell me your feelings. I'm like, gosh, mate, all right. I'll give this a crack, you weirdo. So I like, just really flat, because I'm just being obedient to my mentor. So I go, God, I'm disappointed that when I was a kid, all that time ago, I prayed asking for you to heal my dad and he died. And then it, that vulnerability just kind of opened up a little bit. His Holy Spirit began to move around me and just nudge a few things. And I said, well, because God, let's be honest. You're the God of the universe and life is yours to give and life is yours to take. And we could cut this any biblically, politically correct way possible, being like whatever and this and that. But at the end of the day, you could have said yes and you could have said no and you said no. And I don't care what anybody says. I asked, you said no. Got the candy stores, man. You still flip and said no. What the heck? And I said, God, and I have been all over the place preaching for years, and I tell everybody, you're a good, good father. How can you tell me you're a good father now? What sort of good, loving dad looks at his little boy in full of faith, praying for a dead person that's his own fleshly father, and in that moment says no when they could have said yes? How can you tell me you're good? And I said, and what's more, you're perfect and I'm not, so I was never allowed to be angry with you. Never once was I ever allowed to feel any anger or any disappointment or any resentment because you're perfect and I'm not. So if it was anybody's fault, it had to be mine. And then it just erupted out of me. I never knew this was there. And I, and I said, and so ever since that day, God, through my own efforts, I have earned every answered prayer you've ever answered. I was never going to have you say no to me again. I would prove myself that I was worthy and good enough to have my prayers answered. And then I fell on the ground as this demonic spirit erupted in me in this deep voice roaring, I hate you, God. I hate you. The, the, the breakthrough freedom moment was so intense and I was roaring so loudly from the spirit that had been tormenting me since my early youth. I burst all these blood vessels in my left eye, all the capillaries around it. I looked like the Terminator and like I'd been punched in the face at the same time. All bruised and broken. I couldn't feel my legs. My waist couldn't move from the waist down for the next quarter of an hour. It was like I was paralyzed. I could hardly even move my head. I remember sitting on the floor, slumped against the couch, not even knowing how I got there. And then Pastor Wes looking at me saying, is it all gone? And he was over there and I'm trying to look at him and I just went like this. <laughs> Unimpressed, I said, that's your job to know, man. You're the one ministering, don't be such a cheapskate. Half an hour goes past and I'm eventually sitting in my car now with years of 
unrealized emotion, hurt, heartache, and resentment to the God of the universe being realized and brought to the surface. And I felt the presence of Father God, not Jesus, not Holy Spirit, but Father come into the passenger seat. And I think most likely it's the first time in my life I'd ever felt his presence where it wasn't God Almighty and their little Jared. It just felt like father and son. And they didn't feel like this incredible power differential. And he just began to speak to me. He said, Jared, I know that you're really angry right now. This has brought up emotions you've never confronted. I know you don't even want to talk to me right now. I want you to know I'm totally okay with that. Please don't rush this. Don't bottle this back up. Let it flow through you. Like, allow yourself to feel every element. And when you want to talk, I'll be right here. I can wait as long as you want. And then he said this, and I, and I didn't share this in the earlier services. He said, I'm just so glad that we're finally being honest with one another. And it was like this wall had just dropped. The elephant in the room finally got addressed. He said, you're finally being real. The next day I was driving and I had to pull over on the way to work because I was crying so much because his presence just began to manifest in my car again. And uh, he said, Jared, you've been living like your whole life with a constant pressure to prove to me that you're a perfect son. Just so driven. This burden to just prove perfection all the time. And he said, we're going to reverse the roles now. I'm going to flip the script. I'm going to take all the responsibility and I'm going to prove to you I'm the perfect father. You see, he said, you won't help but love me. Because that's like the only response. We love God because he first loved us. And I knew what he meant in that moment. You are going to encounter my love over and over again. And I am going to work through every element and pain that you have. Loving me is going to be the only logical option, even in this part of your life, because I'm going to show you who I am. Then over the next couple of weeks, my imagination began to explode. Vision began to flood into my life out of that encounter and out of that intimacy. As God got closer to me, as I layered down those, those walls and he began to speak to me about other, other nations, started having all these dreams about America, all these prophetic words, started seeing prophetically in, in quiet times as I was driving and walking supernatural film schools and raising disciples. And, and a vision like that in the past would have terrified me because I'd see all the responsibility, everything that I had to do to make it work, or God would be disappointed that I failed him with a kingly opportunity that I didn't grow and take five talents and turn it into ten, and he'd be cross that I'd buried it or failed. And I was driving one day, this thought just beautifully popped into my head, and I think out loud I said, wow, God's not limited by my limitations. And I know it's a super simple thought, but for me it was incredibly liberating. He's not broken by my brokenness. He's not restricted by my restrictions. He just wants to love me and I just get to be a part of his adventure. And so everything that we're doing now pretty much has come out of this encounter moment and maybe we could get Luke back up and we're just going to go into a bit of time of worship. I'm going to invite some people to respond this morning, but this is, this is what strikes me the most. I love inner healing. 
I love deliverance. I love seeing people set free from spirits that have been tormenting them from hell. And I love helping people identify where that lie came in and then breaking agreement with that lie and then out loud declaring what the truth is, asking Jesus for his forgiveness, for partnering with that lie and then partnering with truth because the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I love all of that. I love the scandal of how radical God's love is that in a moment where all I did was hurl abuse at him, He went, that's the moment I'll set you free. And I have had radical encounters with God. He's caught me up in the spirit realm before and taken me to heaven when I was battling with intense bitterness and offense. Some of the most radical life-changing encounters I have experienced have been when I deserved them the least, when I was the most hurt, the most wounded, the most bitter, the most resentful, the most angry, the most stubborn, the most sinful, throwing all my toys out of the cot. And God went, man, my grace is going to have to abound even more right now. I'm going to come love you through this. You're about to collide with relentless grace. It's coming for you. And I love just from this morning, you know, the Bible says it's the sick that need the doctor. And we don't have to go to medical school before we go to see the surgeon. We just turn up. Here I am. Work on me, Lord. I don't know how to. I don't know how to do this. And often I'm so caught, I don't know how to get closer to you. But it's not my job to know how. Holy Spirit's the teacher. He's the one that's going to lead me into revelation. Jesus is the gate. He's the doorway. He's the one that I'm going to walk through. He has made a way. And then he's ascribed to us a tour guide to teach us, comfort us, and guide us on that tour into intimacy with the Father. And I want to encourage you this this morning and those that are watching online and those that are in return. We're going to have a ministry time now. the other campus is people there ready to pray with you as well. And if you're at home, uh, then you can just receive in your living room or wherever it is that you're watching. And this is the invitation. If you are in a space where you just get, man, I feel stuck, I feel lost, I feel broken. I don't know how to move forward for where I am, but I know I need Jesus. The God of grace and favor, the God of more than enough. You might have been feeling driven and stuck with fear and anxiety like I was. I want to invite you, we just respond this morning. Come up to the front wherever you are. If you're at home, just open your hands out and say, God, I need to meet with you. One moment. One moment. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. One moment with you, Jesus. If I could just reach out and touch you. You can undo a lifetime of trauma in a moment. I've seen it. I've filmed it. I've experienced it. I've broadcast it. I know it to be true. In one moment, Jesus. Your revelation and your tender grace, which is a gift from God, your grace that no one could boast. No one can earn it. We can only receive it. Jesus, I need to meet with you in this area again. Show me an area you want to set me free and lead me into that freedom in Jesus' name. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, I just want to call you to respond.